0: hello and welcome to what the bump my name is jennifer i am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this september this podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy join me here every monday at 9 a.m as we dive into all things prenatal birth postpartum and so much more so let's jump into today's episode In this episode of the podcast, Gabby Meacham is coming on to share her birth story. We talk about scoliosis and spinal surgery. We talk about the Bradley Method birth course. We talk about postpartum depression. We talk about PCOS. And we even talk about how Gabby had a scare with breast cancer during her pregnancy. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Gabby. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being willing to tell your birth story. I'm excited to hear it. Absolutely. So first off, tell me how you met your husband. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. So
1: we met actually on Tinder. (laughs) Me and my um, best friend were going to a concert. And normally we go to, we lived in Myrtle Beach at the time, or at least I did. And we normally go to Charlotte. And for some reason she was like, let's go to Jacksonville, Florida. And it was a Gavin DeGraw and Shania Twain concert. That's very important. Um, (laughs) And uh, so we decided to actually go to Jacksonville. It was like an hour difference. Like it's like four hours to Charlotte. It was only five to um, Florida. So we decided to go there and we downloaded Tinder. Just, we were there for a couple of days to see if we met anyone. And ironically I matched with my husband. We started talking and then that was in July. And then in August he came up to um, visit me for the first time. We hung out and met and that was five years ago this August. Oh, wow! So um, we've been together for five years. We got married in December of 2017. Um, and we actually eloped and then he got deployed and then he came back to the States and we had our wedding in December of 2018. And then, um, we've lived in North Carolina for about three years now. So yeah, he works as an EMT for Charlotte and I, um, Reese, I'm on maternity leave and I also own a small business making clay earrings. So,
0: okay. That's awesome. So did you get your wedding in right before COVID?
1: So we actually had our, like our wedding with people in December of 2018. Oh, okay. 2018. Yeah. yeah. So gotcha. we got like married and eloped in 2017. And then a year later, once we moved here and he got out of the military and we got settled, we had like our actual ceremony, but no one knew we had eloped.
0: Got Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I could swear like in my head that COVID started like three years ago. So when you, honestly, when you, <laughs> I heard you, right, like you right. said 2018
1: and in my head, I just thought, Yeah, COVID was probably around then too. It feels like we've been in it for light years. Like I don't know what my life was like before it. So I totally get that. And this transition back is like weird. I don't know. It just feels weird. It feels very abrupt in some cases. Like I was walking around the store and people weren't wearing masks and I felt like someone should get yelled at. Cause that's what used to happen, but like, it's fine now. And people are just like looking at, it's just weird. I feel like everyone is yes. in a haze still.
0: Yes. It's like, it changed so quickly to where I look at people like without masks on. I'm like, you should like be getting arrested, right? Like this is right. illegal. And it's not, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a total right. side note, sidetrack there. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, tell me about finding out you
1: were pregnant with your first baby. So it was kind of cool. This whole pregnancy in general, like once we get more into it is really cool to me. I just feel like I saw God play a lot of things in this pregnancy for me, but um, we weren't really trying, but we weren't preventing it. And I have PCOS. So um, it was a kind of a worry of mine. If I could get pregnant, we didn't know if I could get pregnant and I didn't know if I'd be able to sustain a pregnancy. So we weren't really actively trying. We kind of just prayed whenever it was supposed to happen, it would happen. And so um, last June, June 20th, which is my birthday. We went to Boone for the day. I woke up. I was in like a foul mood. I didn't feel good. My husband's like, we're going, like get dressed. So we get in the car and we were going to go hike the Blue Ridge Parkway and it ended up being too crowded. So we drove down the parkway, went to a Publix, got changed and we went to a restaurant and we had our appetizer. And I was like, this just doesn't taste right to me. And then I got my food and I was like, I ran to the bathroom and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just don't feel good. And I was like three days late for my period, which isn't too uncommon for me, but I didn't really think anything of it. And I sat back down, tried to eat again. I had to get back up and leave. My husband's like, "Do you think you're pregnant?" I was like, "I don't think so." So we ended up leaving the restaurant. I had to physically like turn my body away from the table. I couldn't even look at the food, and that's not the case for me.
0: Like I right. love food. I
1: was I was starving, so I was like, "What is happening?" I couldn't even finish my iced coffee that day, so I knew something was weird. Very weird. Yeah, I was like, I can't finish this coffee. Like, what is happening? And, um, so we went to the Walmart and I know I needed toothbrush that's like always, I always remember this. I needed to get a new toothbrush. So I picked up a toothbrush and I picked up a pregnancy test and we drove all the way back home, which is like two hours. And then, um, once I got home, I went in the bathroom, I took the test. I didn't think anything of it. My husband's like walking back and forth. Um, and I like look at the test and I, on the one that I got, there's like a big, there's like a big I don't know how to describe it. The first line I thought was like the indicator line that lets you know the test is working. And then, you know, there's like the second line I thought was you're pregnant or not. Mm. So that first pregnant line popped up immediately. I was like, oh, that's just the indicator line. We're good. So I walked away and I come back and I'm like, oh no, holy crap. And I'm like holding it. And I look in the door and my husband's walking past. And he's like, looks at me and I, he's like, stop it. You're, you're joking. Cause I used to joke. And I was like, I couldn't talk. I just handed him the test and he looks at me and his jaw drops. And he's like, can I call my mom? <laughs> I said, Are you kidding me? No. Like, like I just told you I'm pregnant. No, like, can, let's just simmer for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's so process. Said, yeah. Let's process. Like, I love my mother-in-law so much. Um, and I would have, but I just was like, complete shock that this was even happening. And so we sat down on the floor and we just kind of looked at each other and we laughed and kind of cried. And I was like, who's going to let us be parents? Like, this is wild. Like we both love children and wanted children, but it just kind of like, whoa. So that's how I found out. No,
0: that's awesome. Like
1: who who's actually going to allow us to take this baby home with us? I... Right. Like I've <laughs> always dreamed of being a mom and like my husband loves children. And I've oh, like, my first job was uh, a camp counselor, like all of the things. And then I was just it was so surreal that this was actually happening like for the longest time, probably until I was 20 weeks pregnant. I was like, this isn't real. I'm not pregnant. What's happening. So.
0: So you said you were like just a few days late on your period when that
1: happened. I was three days late for my period. And so, um, with PCOS before I found out that I had it in November of 2017, um, via an ultrasound, I had been told for years, I just had bad periods. And for some reason, something that year told me like, go get a second opinion, i put been put on birth control and I stopped taking it because it made me like my mindset was awful with it Mm -hmm. and it didn't help any of my symptoms. And so we were in Florida and I was like, I'm going to get a different like specialist's opinion. And they found out that I had it. And so I had started taking steps to prepare my body just for whenever I wanted to have kids. And I started to do it with a holistic approach. And so once I started doing that and, you know, kind of watching my gluten and doing some oils and some supplements, I started to regain my period. And it was coming every month within a day or two. And so at this point I was three days late, but if I got stressed out, it would kind of freak out my body. So I just thought that's what was happening. Yes. Um, and, and I also thought my period was coming because my boobs were tender. I was emotional and I was like, my period's coming. Like it's just a couple of days late. So yes. Yeah. That's what happened to me with
0: my first pregnancy that I actually ended up unfortunately miscarrying, but I had a super irregular period. I never got diagnosed with PCOS. Mine was more like, I think I had triggered it from athletic amenorrhea like years and years ago. And it just never worked itself out. But I was like, oh, I was a week and a half late. But for me, that was like normal, like my periods someday, And even this with this pregnancy, my cycle was 45 days. And the one prior to that was 30 days. And the one prior to that was like another 40 days. So it is really easy to miss or like almost like not think about it when
1: your periods are a little irregular. Right. Absolutely. My, my uh, best friend, she, I was looking at my app and cause I have an app and I was tracking and I was like, I'm. she was like, do you think you're pregnant? And I was like, no. And I was like, I'm three days late. She's like, I bet you're pregnant. And we worked together at the time at um, the coffee shop I managed. And so we were together all the time mm-hmm. and she's like, go get a test and take it. I was like, grace, no, I'm fine. And she was like, do it. And I was like, no. And so I came back on Monday after I'd found out on Saturday and she was like, did you take a test? And I was like, yeah, it was negative. And I played off food poisoning for a whole week. And then after that, I had to tell her, so she found out when I was like six weeks pregnant because she had to pick up half my slack, but also I was like, I can only play food poisoning for so long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to hide though. I mean, pregnancy is so hard to hide
1: for sure. Especially when it like, when you feel bad and that's not your normal self, it's just like rough.
0: Yes. So tell me about your pregnancy, kind of take me through it, what it was
1: like, how you were feeling. Yeah. So, um, I am so thankful I never got sick. Like I didn't have morning sickness, but I had all day nausea. Like it was so weird. It was like, as soon as I, I felt nauseous today, we found out, but it was almost like, as soon as I took that pregnancy test and my body was like, okay, you're pregnant. The nausea just was insane. From the time I woke up, even went, until I went to bed, even in the middle of the night, the fatigue was unreal. And uh, that lasted until like 12 to 13 weeks. And then uh, honestly, I feel like really blessed. It was such a beautiful pregnancy. Like I can't really complain. Um, Obviously like near the end of it, I got um, like lightning crotch and all of the, (laughs) all of the pain and the things that happen when you're 37 weeks pregnant. But um, it was really great. I tried to work, I tried to work out for the beginning of my pregnancy once I got through the first trimester. Um, And then as I worked as a barista, so I was on my feet for eight hours a day walking a lot. So by the time I got home, I was exhausted. So I kind of like Pulled back on working out. I would work out on the weekends, but I pulled back on working out as much as I was because I could tell my body was like, what you're doing at work is enough activity. Right. Um, and I absolutely attest that to um how well my pregnancy was because I worked up until 39 weeks, I think, 38 or 39 weeks until I was like, I could go into labor at any point. So I'm just gonna not put myself on the schedule. Yes. Um, but it went really well. We had um a great anatomy scan. And the only thing that was kind of crazy is around I was sometimes in my twenties, like my 20 week timeframe, I started noticing on my, uh, right breast. I had like some redness and some edema and, uh, It started to freak me out. And I was like, it's kind of, it didn't hurt. I didn't, I wasn't running a fever, but it just like, I noticed it. It was weird. And I knew something was wrong. So I called my doctor. They got me in. They thought it could be mastitis, but I went to the doctor and even the doctor looked perplexed. She was like, it doesn't hurt. It's like, no, she's like, you don't have a fever. It's like, no. And so she's like, I've never seen this before. I was like, that's always what you want to hear when you're pregnant. Literally the worst thing to say. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Okay. Um. So what do we do? And she's like, well, I'm going to send you to a specialist. And I was like, okay. Didn't think anything. I it. went to a specialist. And this lady was so phenomenal. I couldn't have asked for a better specialist, but she was looking at it and I got in there and she could see, I was just, I was by myself. My husband couldn't come. So it was in the middle of COVID, which Luckily, he came to some of the doctor's appointments in the beginning and the anatomy scan, but all the other ones he couldn't come to. But anyways, he couldn't come to this one. And she was like, yeah, I don't I don't really know what this is. I'm going to send you over to across the hall to um, ultrasounds. Um, and so this was they sent me over where they do like breast cancer ultrasounds. And I'm already freaking out. So they're looking on my breast with an ultrasound and the ultrasound text like, yeah, I've never, you know, I don't really, I've never seen this, but I'm looking, I'm like, people have got to stop telling you this. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, And so, um, she was, I guess, trying to look for a mass or a lump of some sort. And they didn't find that either. And I was like, what is going on? So then I go in and this is all within like a 40 minute time frame, and they're about to close. I think my appointment was at like three. So four 15, 430 comes around and the doctor comes in and she, I'm like sitting out kind of in the nurse triage area and she sits down and like swivels to me and is like, okay I want to tell you something. And I, I just want to be upfront with you. She's like, I don't really know what this is but I have a feeling it could be IBC which is a really rare form of breast cancer I can't think of the, f- the first word it's so the acronym is IBC and um, it's an extremely rare form of breast cancer. And she's like, I'd like to do a biopsy today. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? And she's like, I'm going to numb you up and I'm going to take some uh, skin punches of your breast and I'm going to send it off to see if it's cancerous. And so I'm sitting in this, like in this hallway, essentially hearing her tell me I could have breast cancer at 20 something weeks pregnant. husband's not with me and so I drove myself I was like can I drive home after like is this an under she's like no we're just going to numb up the area all that so they take me into this room with her and the two nurses and they were talking she numbs me up and she does the two punches and sends it off and those 48 hours were literally probably longer than labor it felt like just like waiting to get the call back of whether or not it was positive or negative for cancer and so I came home and told my husband and he took off work and like, just spent like the next day crying because when you read the statistics for it, it's like lifespan of five years after diagnosis. Most Mm -hmm. women don't make it out of it. And I'm sitting here thinking about my son, um, not getting to see him grow up and not getting to be there with my husband and thinking about my husband having to raise it. Just your mind goes wild with these. What ifs? And I remember getting on my knees and praying like, God, please, deliver me from this. Please just like heal me. So it was a Thursday and she, my biopsy was on a Tuesday and she called me back on a Thursday and I was at work and she's like, it came back negative. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, thank you, God. And she's like, I don't know what it is. She's like, I want to see you within a couple of weeks just to keep an eye on it. But sometimes pregnancy does weird things to our body. And I just think I wasn't wearing, I attested to not wearing the correct bra at the time. I had already started wearing nursing bras to help with comfort. And so I think just the pressure and the non, I like, I'm have bigger breasts. So I think not having enough support started to let like the weight just cause the edema and it started to go away. And I haven't, it wasn't completely healed, but after pregnancy, I haven't really noticed it. So Mm. that, Um. that is insane.
0: I literally have goosebumps as you're saying that, like, (laughs) she's sitting you down the hallway, just being like, you know, I think it might be this rare form of breast cancer. And then you're like, and the prognosis is, you know, five years and you're 20. I mean, I truly like cannot imagine being in those shoes and being told like that, that's a possibility that you could have that. And you're just thinking about, like you said, like, I won't get to see my son grow up. Like my son won't even get to grow up with a mother. Like, yeah, that I truly, I feel like you said it was the longest 48 hours. Like, yeah, I, I can hundred percent see that being the hardest, longest 48 hours of your entire life. And yeah. the fact that she came back and said it was negative, but she didn't know what it was, I'd be like.
1: I don't even care what it is. Like exactly. as long as it's negative. I was like, so it's not cancer. She, and you could tell, cause she didn't want to be the doctor to say, no, it's not cancer. Right. And then something come back later, but she's like, it is negative for cancer. She's like, so I don't know what it is. Um, you know, I'm not sure, but she was like, our bodies do weird things during pregnancy. Like your body is undergoing a transformation essentially. So yeah, it was really scary. And of course I Googled everything and so did my husband. And so all the things you're Googling are like no Worth. survival. Rate. Yeah. Don't, I hate Google. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I should Google became my best friend during pregnancy and the first month of my son's life. And that's I tell people don't Google, but I do it all the time. Yeah, it's it's your best friend and your worst enemy all wrapped into one. Absolutely. It's like a perfect storm. And so um yeah, it was just really scary to to mm-hmm. think about all those things and like if I would be able to breastfeed, if I had to have chemo, I mean, just all the things your mind goes through while on top of being pregnant, it was terrifying. But once we got that negative, it was, I had to get my mindset back into this, like, my body is healthy and my body's doing yeah. what it's made to do. Right. I can do this. And then from then on out, my pregnancy was, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I just, I really enjoyed it. I really loved being pregnant, surprisingly. Um, and up until like 37, 38 weeks when like everything was starting to hurt. Yes. Um then and like lightning crotch and pelvic pain was really bad. Um But other than that, yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful experience. I really loved it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that even about going through, you know, that, that's kind of scary more. So I think when people talk a lot about pregnancy scares, it's more like, baby pregnancy scares. so it is very like eye opening i guess and interesting to hear it from a perspective of like you had a scare more so like physically with yourself it wasn't really concerning for you know your your baby it was more right. so like for your life and right. i think that that's i don't know that's just terrifying and praise jesus that yes you are fine and healthy and completely oh, delivered through that because
1: yeah absolutely that's amazing that's why i'm such a huge advocate for women listening to their body and also like not stopping until you get your answers. That's what happened with my PCOS. Like I was tired of people telling me this is how my period was supposed to be. And so that's why I'm just a huge advocate of women, like trusting what they feel in their body and fighting for it to find the answers. And if I wouldn't have found that breast specialist doctor, I don't think she would have fought as hard to figure out what was wrong as she did. So I was really lucky um, for that too.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. So tell me about when you were planning your birth, did you have like birth preferences? Did you do birth preparation?
1: Uh, Yeah, so actually, we went through um, one of it's like a birthing class called Bradley method. And essentially, it's, you probably can touch better on it, but it's like tailored to an all holistic or a natural approach to labor.
0: Yeah. I don't really know too much about it. I looked into doing it, um, more so for like my husband to kind of like learn, right. but I kind of decided against it just with everything yeah. I know. And, and and I do have a doula, but I, it is more of a, like, I think it's geared more and correct. You correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Um, isn't it geared geared more towards like holistic, unmedicated like mind, body, spirit, emotions, everything surrounding labor.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And so the reason I chose that is, so I had a midwife, um, is who I saw in my practice. And I rotated between OBs and midwives, but um, I actually had, when I was 17, I had severe scoliosis. So I had spinal surgery to correct it. And so I'm fused. My entire spine is fused as well as rods and screws, except for my last two vertebrae. So an epidural was really never an option. And I was well aware of that. And so my midwife was like, you should probably think about, cause I was like, I really prefer not to have a C-section unless, you know, like whatever happens happens. But my main goal was to not have to have one, um, because I couldn't have an epidural. And so if I had to have a C-section, I'd have to go completely under. Therefore, um, I was worried about not being able to see my son for that golden hour and all of those things. So she recommended the Bradley method and it is an unmedicated natural. A lot of like the squatting position is a big conversation topic in that, um, no medical inf- intervention, um, yeah, just very holistic and natural essentially, um, which was really good. And my husband, he's an EMT, so he knows about birth and I'm a woman, so I know, but we learned a lot about births, like all like things we didn't even know about. And um, the Bradley method also tailors your partner as your doula is kind of the main goal. So whoever you plan on your partner being, whether you're married or whoever it is, it trains them into being a doula for you, being your advocate, the person to speak for you. So my husband knew all of my birth preferences, all of my wishes. And so going in, we had a pretty solid birth preference list that we had constructed with um, the lady who did the class with us. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So it was really, it was really good experience for us to learn. A lot of people take it every pregnancy. I don't think we'll need to do it again, but it was really good to have that experience. She came to our house two times, kind of walked us through how we would labor at home. Um, and then we went to her house or her it's where, because of COVID it was held at her house. Um, and she had visuals, notebooks, we talked about breastfeeding and all of the things. So that's awesome. How many weeks long was that course? I think It was, so she broke it up and we met every other week, but I think it was like six to eight weeks. Okay. I think you can do it quicker, but the way that our schedule was, we did it every other week from, I think I was 22 weeks up until like 30 weeks or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like when I was looking at classes, that was definitely the number one, one on my list. There's, there's so many out there, but that sounds awesome, especially that even during COVID, I'm shocked that you got to be in person with it and even have her come over because that was a huge thing I was finding is a lot of the even really popular courses around our area were, were virtual and I really wanted something like hands-on, like right. if I was going to spend my money on it, I was like, I want somebody to, yep. you know, touch me, touch my husband, show exactly. us physically how to do these things. And I really did not like the the full virtual thing. So that's awesome that you got to find one that was not.
1: Yeah, she um I think it also has to do with the instructor's preference because right. if you go onto the Bradley method it tells you all the people in your area and I emailed a couple of different ladies and a lot of them had virtual Zoom calls um with groups of people and then she the reason we picked her was actually because it was in person just us as a couple and her so it's really intimate Uh, and my husband and I, she was like 25 extra dollars to do that. And so I was like, I would rather be in person, intimate, just us. We're not worrying about all these other people. And that was a really good, it was, I really liked the way that it worked out for us. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So start telling me about going into labor. What was that like? And how did it happen? Yeah. I love this story. I
1: feel like I could tell my birth (laughs) story all the time, but none of my friends have children. So when I tell it, I get so excited and in depth about it. Um, so, I went to my doctor, I want to say Thursday or Friday, and I think I just turned 39 weeks and they did the ultrasound, which I did not know was not included in your like OB plan. I didn't know ultrasounds weren't included in like the main scope of things. You know, like when you do your, um, like your delivery plan, I thought ultrasounds were included in that and it wasn't, which I kind of wish it wasn't because she said that I was measuring, he was measuring eight pounds and 14 ounces. And so he was supposed to be like a huge baby. And um, so I went in with my midwife after the ultrasound tech did that. And she was like, yeah, she checked. I did a cervical check and I still, she had checked me at 36 or 37 weeks. I was less than a centimeter. And she checked me again at 39. I was still less than a centimeter, like just a fingertip dilated. And so she's like, I think we're gonna schedule an induction um, come Monday. And I was like, why? she's like, well, he's already measuring eight pounds, 14 ounces. If we go another week to your due date, he could double in size. And then you're looking at a nine plus pound baby and all these things. And I was like, so that's why I say about ultrasounds, I wish I would have known that that it wasn't included because I would have opted out of that. Right. Uh, Just because I feel like that's kind of terrifying and they can sometimes be incorrect. Like the sizing of the baby. Yeah. They can be like plus or minus a whole pound. Right. Exactly. And so anyway, she set my induction for Monday and part of me, I'm like a type A person. I love to control things. I like to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. Probably something in my childhood that has caused that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. It's okay. Right. So I was like, part of me, I was excited for birth, but I think I was more scared of like, I, how do I know what's actually happening? Everyone says, you know, when it's happening, but still it's like, how do you know that? Like, when do you know when you need to go? You know, during Bradley method, it's like when you can no longer walk or talk through contractions. And I'm like, you guys don't know me. I can talk through literally anything. My name's Gabby. <laughs> like, but <laughs> so induction was scheduled, and I kind of felt okay with that in the beginning because I was like, all right, I know that if he doesn't come by Sunday, Monday is when my son will be born. And that was kind of reassuring, but I was also like discouraged because I was like, My body should be able to do this. And that was like my mind trip because also in the Bradley Method, they hone in on not doing induction, like letting your body do its work. But when you're in the, you know, like not mainstream medicine, but when you're in the system, essentially, they only let you go so far past your due date for safety reasons. And so I was like torn between being upset and happy that I had an induction date. So I was determined um, to get my body going naturally. And so Saturday night, me and my husband walked up and down. We live like on a hill and we walked up and down the hill. We did a ton of curb walking. I use clary sage on my ankles and over my belly. Um, And I was scared And my husband's like, just do it. And I was was like, I put a little bit on. He's like, go put some more on. And I was like lathering on my belly. And um, so we did the curb walking and come Saturday night around uh, like, I think probably 11. I started feeling it in my back. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. So my husband was in his room playing video games. And I was like, I think this is the real deal. I'm gonna need you to come in here and help me. And so all night, long. It was me like trying to be on all fours and I just felt them coming in waves. And so come Sunday morning around, like it was all morning long. Like we weren't sleeping. I would just let him sleep through some contractions because I was like, there's nothing you can do for me at this point. Like, I don't want anyone to touch me. So I would let him sleep to get some rest. And so the contractions started to intensify and I was timing them on the app, but I think I was timing them wrong because I had back labor the whole time is what I realized. And so I think I was timing, starting the contraction at its peak. And therefore like they were all out of whack. And so finally my husband was like, let's just go to the hospital. I would feel more comfortable if we're there. If they tell you that you're not dilated, we can just hang out in the car. And cause we live about 30 minutes from where I was delivering at. So was, I didn't want to deliver in the car. So I wanted to leave in enough time. So we get in the car, we get there, go into triage. And the nurse was like, wow, you're really, she's like, what can we do for you today? And I was like, ah, I think I'm in labor. That's
0: why I'm here. <laughs> what can we do for you today? Like, um, I'll take a Chick Fil A sandwich and fries. Like, <laughs> for
1: real, yeah, with like a what side of a newborn, please. Um, I think I'm in labor, and she's like, "You look very like." I think they did not think I was in labor. Oh, okay. And so she, I was, I guess, they expected me to be wheeled in screaming because I walked my. <laughs> did I walk in, or my husband pushed me in? I think he pushed me in a wheelchair. And um, she's like, "You're very calm to be in labor." And I was like, "Oh, you should have seen me in the car five minutes ago." And she's like, okay, "Can you get on the scale?" And so because I had spine surgery, I just think my pain tolerance is higher than maybe. Right, most. right. And so they take me in there get me back and they check me and she's like, Oh yeah, you're at a six. And I was like, Oh snap. I kind of wanted to pat myself on the back that I had progressed to a six. I thought I'd get to the hospital at like a four maybe or something like that, but I was already at a six. And so they hook me up and um, the doctor comes in and he's like, so we're going to keep you. I was like, well, were you gonna send me home <laughs> like I was like I would hope you would keep. you'll be
0: surprised some people will try to get sent home for a few more hours at like a good six so
1: what yeah
0: yeah, yeah no thank you <laughs> or they'd like, be like can I at least like go walk the parking lot for like another hour and we're like I oh,
1: yeah. am for that? the first baby or just any baby uh, No, even if it's like you know their third if it was my third, y'all better be stand on standby. Like, (laughs) yeah, which we like to be. So right. (laughs) (laughs) But that's awesome. Six. That's awesome. Yeah. I was really, I was really surprised with myself. And so, um, doctor comes in and registration's like trying to get me to give them all my information while I'm in the middle of contractions and they wouldn't talk to my husband. And I'm like, you do realize I'm in labor. And so I have my mask on and the sweet nurse was like, honey, take your mask off. I don't need your hyperventilating. Like it's fine. Take it off. And so I took my mask off. They wheeled me back to our room and I was like, in and out of contractions. And, um, they get me in there they get me hooked up and the doc, they were asking. So at this point it happened so fast. I wasn't able to get my bags out of the car. Uh, I didn't get my birth like preference list out. Um, so eventually like I'm in the room, my husband's like, do you want me to go move the car and go get our bags? And I was like, yeah, just hurry. So he goes down and gets it. And the nurse is getting everything set up, getting me all set up and hooking me up to the monitor. And at this point I have like intense back labor. So I really don't feel like I know what, a I guess like aren't true contractions supposed to be in the front of your abdomen, correct? I mean, it
0: it depends on everybody. And a lot of the thing is, and I don't know if you'll get into this later on, but a lot of that back labor is normally caused by like position of his head Mm -hmm. or how he's kind of rotating down. But I would say in general, you know, when people are not having back labor, their contractions are more so felt like a tightening kind of in the front of the stomach and then deep into the vagina.
1: Yeah, this was almost like, I've always had lower back pain, but it was like debilitating, like down my legs. Like when, even when I was at home, I was in the shower and like, I couldn't stand, it was getting so bad. So it was just shooting down, um, my back. And so they, the doctor came in and she checked me and I was at like a seven and then she was like, okay, we can either break your water and this can move very fast. And, or we can, you know, I can break your water and this can move fast. I was like, well, what is the difference? Because in my birth preference list, I was like, I don't want my water to be broken and I had a whole bunch of different things. And she's like, well, if I break it, it'll be quick and hard and it'll hurt, but it'll be done quick. And if I don't break it, then you can sit there through those contractions. And I was like, uh, what? I don't know, I guess break it. And so while this is all happening, they were calling the anesthesiologist in to see if I could get an epidural. And so the doctor's like, all right, I'll come back in a little bit and I'll break it. And the anesthesiologist comes in and she's like, well, do you know what kind of rods you have in your back? And I was like, no, ma'am. I just know that there's rods back there. And she's like, well, I think I could do it. And I was like, no, 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 I don't. The word think. No my, thinking. Yeah. yeah. The word think in my spine and my spine are not two words I want to hear together. So let's just keep going. And so. Um, and you sound like you're doing amazing. I mean, I was able to talk. I was just kind of like in the zone essentially. Yeah. And they were like, do you want fentanyl? And I was like, at this point, I'm like getting an epidural. We're just not going to do any drugs. It wasn't even like a, I can like I can do this better than anyone situation, but it was like, I asked the nurse what the um, effects of fentanyl could be. And she was telling me something about like 15 minutes. I remember hearing the word 15 minutes, is that right? Um, so we don't really use IV fentanyl,
0: um, much where I work, we use more of a drug called state which okay. is probably the same thing. Cause it kind of okay. still is like in that narcotic category, yeah. but it's more so like you don't want to give it and then have you deliver quickly because it does transmit to the baby, which is okay. fine while they're in utero, right. but let's say she gives it to you. And maybe she was saying she gives it to you in like 15 minutes later, you have the baby Okay, they come out, um, and they don't really want to breathe or really do anything. Cause they okay. are they have the the fentanyl kind of a little bit in their system as well, I guess.
1: Okay. So I think that's what she was saying. And I was like, no, 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 we just won't. We'll just not do it. I'm already this far and we're hanging, we're hanging out. So um, I just remember I'm like gripping death, gripping the side of the bed. I'm on my side. I can't move. Like I just didn't want to move And in my birth preference. I wrote that I wanted to be mobile. I wanted to move around. I wanted to be on a ball in the tub and I could think of nothing, more that I did not want to do than all of those things. I just wanted to lay there. And I guess it's because it was so much back labor, the way he was positioned. I was just in so much pain. So she comes in and I was like, let's just break the water. And so she breaks my water at, we checked him to the hospital at like 1130 and he was born at 213. So they break my water and 50 minutes later he's born. And so when she broke my water, there was meconium in it. And so part of me was glad that she broke it. And we knew that I don't know what could have happened if we wouldn't have known it. Um, but it was, I I felt, I felt good with that choice. And as soon as my water broke, I can't explain, like my legs were convulsing. I was like, felt like I was seizing. I literally looked at, I had the sweetest labor and delivery nurses ever. Like I wish I could hug them. And they left, they said goodbye when they ended their shift, but I wish I would have brought them a gift that I could remember their names fully because I love them so much. I look at one of them and she was a little bit older, sweet Southern lady. And she was like, honey, that's your body. It is, I'm making a Southern accent, but I have to for the purpose of it. She's like, honey, that's your body and the adrenaline bringing this sweet baby earth sad. It's your body doing its work. That shaking is you, your and she just explained it to me. And I was like, okay. And it's um, true. Totally. It's totally normal. Yeah. But I, I just was like, am I okay? Like it was like, I'm having a seizure, I think. Right, like my legs were like, yeah, it was wild. And so they're all in there telling me it's okay. I remember at one point, I like rip my mask off and throw it at my husband, like just to get it off of me. And they're like, okay, we're gonna roll you because we're gonna do, I guess it's a spinning baby's technique called shaking the tree. And um, they roll me, I'm like, y'all are gonna have to help me because I physically cannot roll myself. So they roll me and they start shaking me. My husband's helping and the nurse is helping because when I was on my right side, I was like, I think I need to push. And she's like, honey, your own, the doctor was someone was in there. I don't remember who. And they were like, you're only at an eight. And I was like, okay, but I feel like something is about to come out. So they roll me over. They're shaking me, shaking me. I was like, I feel like I need to push. And they're like, do you think you need to push? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know that something is happening down there. And it feels like a bowling ball is trying to come out. Never done this before, ladies. And they were so <laughs> great. And so they check and she's like, you're only at an eight. And the so I guess maybe a nurse checked me. And she was like, oh, no, nope. she's at a 10. Go get the doctor now, now. And I was like, I told you. I, did, I say I don't remember who said things because I kept my eyes closed like the whole time. Oh yeah, I, I don't know why. I like looking back, I remember, I don't remember seeing much, but I just kept my eyes closed. So they rolled me and were shaking me. And I pushed a couple of times on my side. And I did get to tell the nurse or my husband did that I didn't want to deliver on my back. But I guess certain doctors, I didn't have a midwife on call, certain doctors don't really care, um, or don't really, that's not their thing. And so I was on my side and then I rolled to my back and they l- luckily lifted the bed up a bit and I was able to push. And I think I maybe pushed for max of 15 minutes. And, um, he was out at, so they broke my water in 15, 50 minutes later at 2:13, he was born. And I remember pushing him out and just like, I said a dirty word and I remember apologizing. And then like, I was like screaming and I thought, Like, cause in the Bradley method, they tell you to like breathe deep and like, you know, like low humming is less traumatic for your body than like shrill screaming. So I tried to do that. And then sometimes I just screamed. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the nurses were like, honey, it's fine. And um, yeah, I pushed him out and I had a second degree tear because I remember the doctor telling me to stop pushing and I wasn't listening. And the nurse got in my ear and was like, honey, stop pushing. You hear her stop pushing. And uh, I tried, but it just wasn't happening. And so they took him out and they had to take him over to the... Not the incubator, but take him over to the uh, warmer. The warmer, yeah. The warmer to get the meconium out of him, check him out. And then they brought him to me. And then I was getting stitched up, and then the fundal massages came after that. <laughs> <sighs> They're great. <sighs> yeah. Phew, wouldn't you couldn't pay me to do that again. That's that's the
0: hard, that's one of the harder parts about being unmedicated. Recovery, I think overall people say is so much better and easier. Mm-hmm. But number one, like you said, when you have to push, you have to push and there is yeah. nobody telling you otherwise. And right. number two, you feel all those initial fundal massages that we do, which are a little bit more of the intense ones where somebody yeah. with an epidural, usually we can get those first couple of good ones in while they're still pretty numb. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: Um, yeah, you, you, you don't get
1: that luxury. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that that was probably worse than the contractions I like, she And my poor nurse looked at me and she's like, honey, I'm sorry. And I was like, it's okay. Cause I'm like, if I can get through labor, I can get through these fundal massages. I was wrong. And then I had some sort of, I kept passing clots, I guess. Mm. And so the lady that was helping clean me up after the, the doctor stitched me up, had to go get the doctor again, because I was going through chuck pads, just like clots were coming out. That's probably why your fundal massages then were
0: worse because right. You know, if, and, and I, I can relate to that as a nurse, usually if I have a patient who's unmedicated and their uterus is nice and firm and their bleeding is minimal, I go pretty easy on the massage. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to force, you know, right. make them awful. But if you're passing clots, yeah, we honestly, we get in there and we, yeah. we push and we rub because we're trying to expel them to get the bleeding right. to stop. Cause once those clots come out, normally it stops. Right. So that is probably why you felt like yours were extra
1: that painful makes- because
0: the nurses were probably
1: trying to get that to stop. Yeah, she was going. She was going hard almost. Yeah, and yeah. So, and she, I could see it in her face. Like it was literally like the last thing she wanted to do that day. It. Mm-hmm. She was like felt so bad about it, and I guess it was because I wasn't. That makes sense. I do remember yeah. her saying she's not stopping. Like the bleeding is not stopping. And yeah. so they were. And I remember when I could feel the clots come out. So then the doctor had to come back in, and I honestly, not even trying to be funny, feel like she's probably up to her elbow in my uterus because she was trying to pull out the clots. And side note five days postpartum, I got really sick. And I thought, I, I was like, this can't be just like baby blues. Like something is wrong. I ended up going back to the ER and I had endometritis. Endometri- I yeah. Yeah. Endometritis. it's it, the infection in the uterus. And then I had a severe UTI. And I think it was because of just all of that craziness happening.
0: Mm. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you say they're up to like, they actually like, they actually are up to their elbows. So are you're they? feeling with, Yeah. Okay. Oh
1: yeah. Was, most like, of the time. I couldn't tell. I was like the lidocaine, nothing is working anymore. And I was like, please, he, my son was on my chest and uh, we were like, cause I made that important. Like uh, we didn't, it all happened so fast. I couldn't even give them my birth preference list out of my back. So thankfully my husband, which is really cool about the Bradley method, he knew my wishes. So he was like, we want to keep the placenta for encapsulation, which they looked at me strange. They're like, we want to do delayed cord clamping, which I don't think she said because of the meconium, they couldn't do it for too long. So he was on my chest because I wanted to do the golden hour or in like have that skin to skin immediately. But because I couldn't, cause he had to go to the warmer. When they brought him to me, I was like, when she was trying to expel the clots, I looked at the nurse and I was like, someone take him from me because like, I was in so much pain. I was like screaming and like cursing and the nurse was like, no, he needs to stay on you. Like, trust me, it's actually helping you like more than, you know. And I was like, are you sure? Because I feel like I'm going to hurt him. Like I'm like right. trying not to squeeze him. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, no, trust me. He needs to stay there. He, like he's helping you. So.
0: So after they had kind of like retrieved those clots, did did the bleeding kind of stop and taper off?
1: Yeah, it did. I only passed small ones while I was there. And so that's why when I got home postpartum, I got worried because I passed another one that was slightly sizable. And so I didn't know if something was happening. And my sister-in-law is actually a labor and delivery nurse. And so I called her. And she FaceTimed me and she's like, you look really bad. Like, not just like you delivered a baby five days ago bad, but like, so, like you could be internally bleeding. I'm not trying to scare you, but if you pass the clot and you had that previously, I think you should go back. Um, and side note, my, one of my nurses told me I could take a bath after birth. It was like a second nurse. I think um, someone told me I could take a bath while I was in the hospital. and I took a bath while I was there. I don't know who it was. And apparently that's a big no, no. After birth. Yeah. I I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't realize that and so that could have contributed to why I also got like the infection. Mm. But yeah, the clots stopped once she retrieved them, thankfully. Awesome. So, how
0: was your postpartum experience upon going home? I know you said that you you did have that little scare where you kind of got sick and had an infection, but besides that, how was your postpartum experience? Personally
1: or like having a new baby or altogether? All to both, right? Um, so I would say people tell you all day long, what, like, you're never going to sleep again. You're never going to do this. It's going to be all like all the things that people tell you and you listen to it, but you don't really realize it until you're in it. Like me and my husband, looking back, we didn't think we were going to make it the first month, let alone the first week. Like it was, it was rough just because he had his days and his nights mixed up. And I was trying to learn how to breastfeed and I needed a breast shield to pronounce my nipples. And at one point I was like, I want to stop breastfeeding. Like I want to do formula and there's nothing wrong with that. My husband's like, if that's what you want to do, but I really think you're going to regret it if you stop. Cause it was something you were so adamant about doing. It was something I was so passionate about, but at 3.00 AM, when this is like the 12th time in four hours that you've been latched and you have to get this little plastic nipple shield out every single time. And it just was felt defeating, but we powered through it. So that was really good. And I got my placenta encapsulated, which I really enjoyed by a girl that's local in Charlotte. Um, her name is Daisy Dula, I believe she was really sweet. Um, and she, you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Her. Yeah. She's so sweet. She picked it up for my husband at the hospital and then from Charlotte drove all the way to Shelby, which is like 45 minutes to an hour and delivered it to our house for us. Um, really great. So I did that. I feel, I don't have anything to compare it to, but I definitely feel like it's helped. Um, and then my husband actually, because he's an EMT and he didn't get paternity leave through the company because he hasn't been there a year, had to go back. I delivered on a Sunday and he went back to work that next Sunday. Mm -hmm. So we really only had like maybe six days together as a family. And then I had to kind of do it solo. And so that was kind of terrifying, but it was really good. And then about six weeks, I started to notice that like the baby blues weren't really dissipating and I was getting kind of angry pretty quickly. So I went to my doctor and talked and Um, She said, I probably had a little bit of postpartum anxiety and depression. And so I got put on a low dose of antidepressant and that's definitely helped. And that was kind of hard for me because I've taken antidepressants when I was younger and it's not something I'm ashamed of. I definitely think it's necessary. At least I think it's necessary where it's needed. And I just felt like Is it? Do I really need it right now? Am I leaning into it as a crutch? Like, aren't you supposed to feel like this as a new mom? This anxiety. And my midwife had to put it in perspective. She's like, you're not supposed to feel like that all the time. Like, the anxiety of having a new baby is normal and feeling anxious and sad. But like this overwhelming presence, that's not how it's supposed to be. And so once I started taking that medicine, it really changed for me. I felt like I was able to show up as a mom better, as a wife. Mm -hmm. and do all the things. Obviously there's still hard days. The medicine doesn't cure all. It's definitely a mindset situation, but it definitely helped me get in a better mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's, and I say this, and I said this on the podcast before, you know, just because postpartum depression is, and the baby blues are considered like common doesn't mean it's like normal. and doesn't mean it's something you have to suffer through. And, and I also always say, especially my discharge teaching at the hospital, that it doesn't matter if you've had you know, depression in the past, or you've never had it before postpartum depression, like it just picks whoever it wants. And it is a lot related to not sleeping and hormones and stress and the learning curve of having a baby and everything. But, you know, I, it's, it's really empowering to be able to seek out help. And I love that. It's, I think postpartum depression has had such a light shined on it recently. And it's really been acknowledged and talked about, and it wasn't prior. And I think it's just amazing that that transition that we're seeing in that area of like, validating, you know, a woman feeling like that postpartum and being like, okay, like, let's, let's get help, not just brush you off to the side and tell you, well, it's normal. Like you said, like, oh, you're just supposed to feel that way. I I love that. It's actually getting treated and, and, you know, actionable steps
1: are being taken. Absolutely. I feel like it was such a taboo thing to talk about. Like, I just think it's so, and I'm not saying it's like this all the time, but it's so unrealistic for you to expect a woman to grow a baby for nine months and everyone is touching on her beautiful, telling how wonderful she is. She birthed that baby and she's supposed to step into motherhood and understand how to deal with this baby, how to breastfeed if that's her choice, how to just be a a parent. Like I'm a firm believer that when a baby is born, so is a mother. And so you're navigating motherhood at the same time And also a body that's foreign to you, it's deflated without a baby, you know, all these things are happening. It's a, like, it's a miracle that I I think moms are superheroes, you know, like, I just think it's walking through this. I'm just like, women are so awesome that we can do that. And I think it's awesome that postpartum depression and anxiety and anger are all being talked about more because I feel like it helps women reach out for help, like more. More quickly than yes. suffering in it and feeling afraid to sit there in that silence. Because if I wouldn't have known that it was a thing and I wouldn't have felt okay to talk about it, I probably would have sat in my silence and my misery for a lot longer. And, you know, that's where things can turn really bad for people. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Things can definitely get worse in that too. Right. So tell me your top two tips or bits of advice for new moms or soon to be moms.
1: I would say. My first one is probably to listen to your body. Um, Like if you, even with like a new mom, but if you feel like your body is telling you something, advocate for it. So if you feel like you need to go to the hospital, then go to the hospital. Like it's labor, I feel like is such the unknown, which is why it was so scary for me is because literally anything can happen at any time. Um, And it's so unknown, but you know your body better than anyone and listen to that. And with that, you know, you don't have to hold on to those expectations. Like my birth preference list, there were so many things that I didn't want to do and did want to do. And I didn't get to because it happened so fast. So I had to kind of let go of those expectations. There's, it's certainly amazing to have like a birth preference list and have things that you want to do that are important to you, but don't get bogged down if those things don't happen because you just have to listen to your body in the moment. And then... My other one would probably be that your body was made to do this. I know it kind of sounds cliche, but that was something I had to remember when I was like going through all like the pain and breastfeeding and postpartum and being a mom, like my body was literally made to do this. Um, and so I just think that's amazing in itself that your body can grow a human and then it knows how to expel it and give birth to it. And then your body, just all the things that women's body can do whenever you're in the thick of it. And you're terrified that you don't think you can do it. Because I remember looking at my nurse and my husband, I was like, I can't do this. I think I was like, I think he was crowning. I was there and I was like, I can't do this. And they're like, you're doing it. It's happening. And I was like, oh crap, it is. And I just like, I went inward during that moment of pushing. And I feel like I almost went animalistic and maternal. And I just like birthed him and I like, feel like a, a bad a Like, I just feel <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like giving birth. Yeah. Giving birth is so cool. And however you, do, like, however women have it, whether it's C-section with an epidural unmedicated, it's just so cool. Your body was made to do that. So that would be my, you know, it's easy to question yourself, especially in today's society where it's saturated with all the things on the internet that always look so positive. It's really hard, especially for me to feel like I'm not doing enough or feel like my baby is different because he's crying more, but like your body was made to do this. Your baby was made to be the way it was. And you just have to trust in that and trust your body and trust your instincts because you're going to be fine.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's really true. I heard somebody say, um, they said that humans are the only species or only like mammal, I guess you could say on earth that doubt our ability to give birth and be mothers. Like, wow. and I really thought that was really powerful because I'm like, that's so true. Like think about a dog or a horse or any literal, any other living species. They're mm-hmm. not sitting there throughout their pregnancy. Like, Oh, how am I going to give birth? Like, will it, will it come vaginally? Do I, can I get an epidural? Will I need a C-section? Will the baby be breached? Mm-hmm. Like, will, will I be able to breastfeed? Will I have postpartum depression? No other species or mammal on earth, things like that, except yeah. us. So yeah. I thought that was really powerful. I'm like, that is so true. So it's like, you said animal, animalistic, like instinct almost. And I was yeah. like, that made me kind of think of that as like, yeah. you really do just have to trust your body, trust yourself and, and know that you were, you were made to do this and God yeah. would not give us this beautiful gift of uh, the only way to populate the earth. If we were, you know, not able to do it.
1: Yeah. That's the coolest thing to me is just like looking back and seeing when I look back of how God worked through this pregnancy and worked through my labor and worked through the fact that I didn't have to be induced because I knew if I had to have the Foley bulb and have to have Pitocin that I feel like my, without an epidural, my labor could have been a lot more painful than it was. And so that was like my biggest fear. And it just was amazing to see how it worked and how my body just did its thing. And then, you know, you come home and it does its thing and how you can, I mean, I love my husband and I love, you know, what he does, but how like a woman's body can power through so much more without sleep. It's just like something clicks on when you become a mother that like, you can stay up for hours, even though you're exhausted where your husband's like, I got to sleep. And I'm like, all right, go sleep. And Mm -hmm. you just do it because it's just what you have to do. It's just so cool. I have so much, I had respect for women before, obviously, but just like moms and women at birth, it's just wild. So cool. Yeah. We make, (laughs) we make the world
0: go round for sure. For sure. (laughs) Well, Gabby, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your birth story. I'm so glad that I got to just chat with you and just hear your story. It was amazing and powerful and exciting.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you for listening to
0: another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at CLT. Check out our website, whatthebumpclt.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on, and tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.